Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. What a show we've got today as we continue our countdown to Super Bowl 55 on Sunday. The man represented Mount Carmel very, very well. As GM of the Kansas City Chiefs, Brett Veach is scheduled to join us at 4.15 today. Don't want to miss it. We'll have it here on WKOK, WKOK.com and the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app in case you missed it. Of course, we'll have it on SteveJonesShow.com and also all of our social media platforms. And we'll have some tomorrow morning as well from Brett Veach. So we're very excited to welcome him to the show at 4.15 today. Tomorrow, the former ESPN NFL insider, the professor, John Clayton, going to join us at 4.35. So we continue an exciting week as we count down to the Super Bowl right here on the Steve Jones Show. So we'll certainly get all into that in a second. Penn State got another big one tonight with Wisconsin. We have that on WKOK beginning at 8 o'clock tonight with Steve and Dick Girardi. Tip-off is at 8.30. It's now number 19, Wisconsin. Uh, that's irrelevant. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. No, 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 I'm not. I mean, look, um, here's why it's irrelevant. For I'll give you an example. At the end of the game... On Saturday, I said something to the effect of the Nittany Lions knock off 14th rank Wisconsin. Now, there's only one reason I did that, right? So, I mean, I mean, you're in the broadcast business, so let's, let's see if you can figure out what the reason was why I said that. Well, it adds a little bit of drama to it. It adds the magnitude of of a big win that Penn State needed, as you mentioned before. The reason I mention it is is for the TV people that put the highlight package together. That's the only reason I do that. Because to me, it was not an upset. I didn't think it was an upset. I mean, I'm the one that said if they shoot in the mid-40s, they'll beat the team by 10. They shot 45, they beat them by 10. It, it's just all... it was. It, it, Penn State plays at a pace that if if... 
it's sustained makes Wisconsin uncomfortable. Conversely, if Wisconsin plays with the lead, it makes Penn State uncomfortable. Well, you could tell as that game was going that uh, you know the that's the um, that that's the only reason why I do it. The only reason I do it on an end of game call like that is that the people that put together the highlights, whether it's going to go PSUSports.com or whether it goes to the Unrivaled series or something like that, that's the only reason I do it. I don't consider I did, I did not consider Saturday's game an upset at all. It, and being ranked, I never talk about the ranking. Never. You know, in other words, tonight I won't be sitting there saying that Tonight, Penn State takes on 19th-ranked Wisconsin in the rematch. The rankings are irrelevant to me, except when it comes to the net and the Ken Palm rankings. An AP ranking or a coaches poll ranking, when Penn State was last year ranked, I mentioned it a lot. Now, why did I do that? Because I was trying to project what I thought and Dick Girardi, we feel the same way, the proper excitement about the program. Hey, look, they're getting recognized nationally. That's why I mentioned the ranking, because it was good promotion for the basketball team because they were doing some things last year that they hadn't done in a while. But I don't usually do the, you know, for example, you know, they're going to face, unless it's the number one or two team in the country, maybe I'd do it. Maybe. But they're playing Wisconsin tonight. Matt, they win the game. I'm not going to call it an upset. And I just don't I don't think these are. I don't think they're playing out of their lane. In this case, the second go-around, I, I would think so. I, 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 I wouldn't think call fir- it an upset I, either. But I didn't think the first one was. Penn yeah, it, it's not it's not a Penn major State. upset, but I think it's still a, a slight upset because of only how because only because they haven't beaten them in a while, maybe. But that's that. Yeah, that, that's that's, see, that's, I, that's I, how I that's how I kind of perceive it as. But but you're right. I mean, I just don't view it that way. Wisconsin's 20, not a great team. Well, no, but I mean, outside of Gonzaga and Baylor, who is? That, that's exactly true. Absolutely. I mean, Penn State is ranked in the top 30. There are 353 teams in this ballgame. Okay, right now, there are 324 teams behind Penn State in the net. Now, they've got to get themselves to 500 and then above 500. But if they do that, they have a good shot of making the tournament. And guess what? They would be a tournament-worthy team. Do they have Do they have holes? Sure. They have holes, you know. You know that's why you, know, you talk about the inside game and how they have to play inside, and how they uh, take care of you know uh, points in the paint. I mean, they've been they've been outscored points in the paint. We know that in the season, but they've tightened that up of late, which has made a difference. And to be honest with you, Matt, they're actually making the turn in their schedule where a couple things are going to get slightly easier for them. I mean, it's to me. I only mentioned the ranking at the end of the game because I knew it would be good for the people that put the highlight package together, 
that promote Penn State basketball. You know, the, believe it or not, these are things that you think of just because of experience, and you know that people need that stuff, so you do it. That's all. I mean, there's a certain way, for example, the opening kickoff to the season. You call it in a certain way because they need it for the highlight package. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and, I, you know, it's always like, hey, I, we know you'll do something. I say, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll be fine. And you know me, I don't make it up until the moment happens anyway. So, But believe it or not, there's a lot more to this than just I call the plays, they win. It's you know, oh, you claim it's an upset holding. No, nah, there's more. There's a lot more to the job than that, because you got to think about all the elements to the job. What are they going to put out on social media? What are they going to put out in a highlight package uh, online? You know, there's a lot of elements that go into that. It's you know, it's things that I think uh, somebody that doesn't do this job for a living, and you do it. I mean, so you understand what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. Right. That um, there's a lot more, there's more elements to this, and people realize that that people need for their part of the job that you provide to them when you do the play-by-play. So that's the only reason why I even mention the ranking, because to me, ranking AP rankings one through twenty-five are irrelevant. They have nothing to do with tournament selection. Zero. At the end of the year, there's not an AP champion. At the end of the year, there's not a coach's champion. There's a national champion. There's a tournament. Because there's a tournament, the key is to get in. Now, what good are the rankings in college basketball? What good are the rankings in college basketball happen to be is it promotes the game. So last night, number nine, Texas Tech took on, let's see, trying to think who it was. Was it Texas A&M was 13, I think? And did they play Texas Tech last night? They might have, and they beat them. It was Oklahoma and Texas Tech last night. Oklahoma and Texas Tech. All right. So 13 beat 9, some number like that. That's like, correct, oh, yeah. Looking, I'm looking around, and I'm listening to a guy do the sports day, and number 13, who was 13? Was it Oklahoma? No, uh, Texas Tech was 13. Texas Tech. Okay, so I didn't watch the game. So this guy's doing the sports day here, and 13th-ranked Texas Tech upset number 9 Oklahoma. Excuse me, why in the heck is that an upset? That's not an upset. That's just two really good teams playing head-to-head, and the other guy won. (laughs) Okay? It's not like Gonzaga lost in the West Coast Conference. Now that's an upset. St. Mary's upset number one Gonzaga. Now that is an upset. Because there is nobody in the West Coast Conference that's in the same class as Gonzaga. If Baylor loses a game to Iowa State, that would be an upset. When Penn State beat Michigan a few years ago, when Penn State was 0 13 in the conference, and Michigan was ranked, I don't know, what was Michigan ranked? third, fourth, this is like 2013. All right. Now that was an upset. Penn State beating 14th rank Wisconsin on Saturday was not an upset. Game was here. Penn State's playing good basketball. Penn State's a good team. Penn State won 21 games last year. You know. Question is which style was going to win the game. I mean, that's how I view it. I don't see, I don't 
I, I know it sounds good to say it. I mean, uh, and there are upsets that do happen. I mean, the individual that beat Dan Gable in wrestling, that was an upset. <laughs> no, I don't care. That was an upset. That's the definition of an upset. Like, huh? What? Where was it? Rulon Gardner beat Corellin in the Olympics? Corellin hadn't lost in 14 years? That's an upset. Shikolimi loses any game. Upset. I'm just taking that from the Shikolimi play-by-play guy's point of view. I figured. I can't believe they lost. Ruin my highlight package. That's what it's all about. <laughs> it's all about my highlights. Yes. <laughs> Does he know you speak of him this way? I mean, really? I mean, I feel like I feel like I've taken nice, calm Macatrillo and I've, I've turned him into this mean guy. <laughs> <laughs> You've become so cynical. <laughs> I think he gets some things of it. I mean, do you go home and tell Lisa I blame Steve? <laughs> eh, sometimes. Yeah. And, and then she disagrees with you. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, she does, actually. All right. Well, but again, that, I mean, I, if you notice, I don't use the word upset very often. I very rarely use it because I just think that the, for the most part, the talent is so spread out across the country right now. Yeah, I mean, and this net the net thing is interesting because I mean, Penn State has four quad one. Penn State has four quad one and quad two wins combined. They have as many as San Diego State does, and they play fewer games than San Diego State. San Diego State has four quad one, quad two wins. Now it turns out all theirs are quad two. Penn State has two quad ones, two quad twos. They have, they have as many as San Diego State. Okay. Then there's the 16th ranked team in the net. You know who that is? Don't know. Colgate. Oh, how about that? They are. They only remotely have quad one or quad two wins. <laughs> they have zero, <laughs> none. Wow. They haven't, even, they haven't even played a quad one or quad two team. Yeah, that's a disadvantage that some of these um, smaller conference teams in Division One are going to have when they're trying to get in, build their resume for the tournament, so to speak. I mean, the conference champs are going to get in, so Colgate would get in if they win the Patriot League. Sure, but but I, I, what's not totally surprising about that, Steve, is actually Colgate's been one of the top shooting teams of all the country right now. Oh, no question. Yet, yet if they play, if they play a game, say for example, they play. Okay, Penn State tonight. What's Penn State tonight? I'm going to guess here. Seven-point underdog tonight? Some number? Okay. Colgate would be probably a 15- or 16-point underdog. Oh, easily. Okay. That tells you it's something. All right. We'll come back more in a moment. Great to have you with us. Brett Feach today. Neil Kulong today. I said them in the same sentence on ESPN Radio. Sunbury Motors Ford is bringing in 2021 with a bang. 
SMZ has just received shipments of the all-new 2021 Ford F-150. Save up to nine grand on the totally redesigned F-150, which was just awarded North America's Truck of the Year for 2021. Sunbury Motors has 67 F-150s in stock and arriving soon. SMC is introducing the highly anticipated 2021 Ford Bronco Sport. The new Bronco's retro design reflects its iconic heritage from the 60s and 70s. Sunbury Motors has them in stock, starting at just $28,200. Pick from 61 of the top-selling Ford Escapes with savings up to $8,250. And slash to as low as $22,380. SMC is where you want to be in January for discounts up to $11,000 on the largest selection of new Fords in the Susquehanna Valley. And everyone is clearly marked for this massive sale. Sunbury Motors Ford into the 4th Street Auto Plaza. Proudly serving all of Central Pennsylvania for over a century. Hurry, sale ends Monday the 1st. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Brett Veach coming up, the general manager of the Chiefs, Mount Carmel's own, at about 4.15 today. Neil Kulong, next half hour, we'll hear some comments from Mike Yursich, the new offensive coordinator of Penn State, in the final half hour of the show. Uh... So how many inches of snow in the end did you get? I measured at my house 15. We got about 12 here. Okay. Got about 12 here. It's still snowing here right now, too. It was snowing earlier this morning, but I think it stopped here last time I took a look outside. uh, But here's here's the part. I mean, I looked ahead to the weekend, so Super Bowl Sunday's coming up. Uh, it's supposed to snow here again. They're talking about maybe five or six inches of snow here Sunday. That was I'm, That's what I'm hearing. Not thrilled about that. <laughs> well, no, you know, the issue for me is not the snow I have here, you know, like like on my driveway or anything like that. And, you know, I'll go out and I'll help other people with their driveways, you know, when it's like that. Um, but the issue I have, believe it or not, as you know, I have a wood-burning stove. Well, i got to clear off. I have it covered with a tarp. Which does a good job of keeping it dry. But I have to clear the tarp off so I can lift the tarp up to get to the wood. And it's supposed to get down to uh, 7 or 8 degrees this weekend. That's right. It's going to be really cold. So, I mean, the wood burner is a great supplement. You want to talk about timing. After 30 years, we finally had to have the, the heat pump replaced. He replaced it last week. <laughs> it's like... That's right. That is impeccable good, timing. <laughs> good timing. Well, it's good timing for him because, I mean, there was no snow on the ground. He was able to work. That too. Get get the part out in the basement. Get that out. Get the fan outside put in. The whole deal. It's like, holy mackerel. We're, we admired the timing. Our timing's perfect for Neil Kulong, the incomparable one. Next half hour on News Radio 1070 WKOK. You're home for the suit. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Q, it's 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford-looking Kia Hyundai, now that's great new inventory. Fabulous pre-owned inventory. And right now, I'd say on this particular day, the best way to check it all out is online at sunburymotors.com. Well, 
already had a couple comments about our the end where I said you're home for the suit it was a question it was questioning I thought I, uh, yes. I mean you're at the staff meetings I mean is there anything in the staff meeting that doesn't eventually funnel back to you know who oh all the time even this show you know I got this thing started Okay, great. All right. <laughs> yeah. Never did get Marco Andretti on the show, did he? All right. Uh, <laughs> I got Sage Karam, Brett Feach. Uh, I got Sage Karam. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, bring in the incomparable one, Neil Kulong. Welcome, sir. As always, it's great to be here. Thank you very much for uh, for the honor of being able to appear on on such a a drastic week of Super Bowl Hall of Fame awards and of course Steelers news. Yes, Steelers news indeed. Uh, uh, we're going to talk to Brett Veach here, uh, and of course, roster construction is critical, and the way he was able to structure in part Patrick Mahomes' deal opened the door for him to structure other deals. For the Steelers moving forward, what kind of construction do they need of Ben Roethlisberger's contract to allow them to do some of the same things? Um, it, it's interesting you bring up Veach's name. It, it's, it, it, I've heard this said around the league very often. General manager can get away with restructuring anything and be a genius when you have the talent that they have to restructure. It, it's right you're able to fit all those guys in if you one you're willing to spend a lot of money for a long amount of time and two you're able to to acquire the pieces to go around the the superstar which is absolutely what the chiefs did and there's no reason to think they're not going to do what they're doing now uh, again next year the steelers don't have that problem unfortunately for them uh what they can do with roethlisberger's contract um really depends more on roethlisberger than the team if roethlisberger is true to his word let's just take him at at a literal level first if he says salary does not matter to him this upcoming season, they can cut his salary down to, to the minimum and get him to sign an extension, um, basically spacing out the nothing that they're giving him uh, in this year and be able to eat up a, a chunk of the prorated bonus that he's still owed um, by releasing him next year and having him sign the extension that he has right now. They can With that, they can cut off Probably, I, I I think without a calculator in front of me, about uh, 15 million, which would put him at a cap number of 26 million, which uh, is much more reasonable. The team has said that he's not going to play at a cap number of 41 million, and Roethlisberger has said that salary isn't all that big of a deal. So if, if he doesn't want to play for anything above the minimum, if he's fine with that, they can get it down 15 million. I'm going to guess he's going to want. You know something for his time. Um, they can do the same thing with that, and probably, reasonably speaking, knock off eleven, twelve million, or something from his current cap number, uh, which gives the Steelers, you know, some breathing room. Either way, regardless of what they do with Roethlisberger, there are other moves that they're going to have to make. But that's clearly the biggest one, and I think it, it's. I don't want to say it's the most simple one; it's the most obvious one for sure. Uh, it really depends, though, on what Ben wants to do. At the same time, the team says, "All right, well, we don't want you at forty-one million. What they're really saying is, we'll we'll take you at twenty-two and a half million, which is the amount that they have to keep if they cut him. So, if Ben wants to play, it's going to have to be kind of under the Steelers' terms. But if if he's really dead set on 
getting something uh, to play this season, and he can't find that with the Steelers, they're going to cut him. So I, I don't know if there really is much of a, a, a choice for either side, certainly not the Steelers, to make this year. And Ben is, is going to have to be flexible with that if he wants to play one more season. But uh, all indications are it definitely would be just this one more year. Um, and from there, the Steelers can kind of climb out a little bit this season, and things are wide open for them next year. They, they only have, I think, 15 players signed for next season. So um, it, you're looking at really this is, this is it for the, the Roethlisberger era if he does come back, that this will be the final season that they're going to have uh, a lot of these guys back together. Uh, one guy that we know is a free agent is Bud Dupree along the way. Uh, injured. What can he command, in your opinion, right now, Neil? And do the Steelers actually have a shot of keeping him because he is hurt and might not be able to command what he had hoped? You know, I, I think like a lot of free agents that are going to be entering this market, he's in uh, – Dupree is, is, is in uncharted waters. They, they have not had a, a situation like this. Uh, to deal with now what i mean by that is in dupree's case he's coming off a later season acl tear and i know for a fact the steelers uh their their core philosophy when it comes to acl injuries is the player is not going to be 100 percent for at least 12 months after surgery Mm -hmm. he had the surgery so you're you're talking about november uh when they would expect him to be at 100 percent again i don't think every doctor is going to feel that way i don't think the market is necessarily going to not pay him because of that but it's definitely going to impact uh, what little chance the Steelers might have had to sign Dupree to begin with, except what I would say is I don't think a team is going to go out of their way to sign a, a long-term deal, even with a valuable edge rusher like Dupree, uh, within this market, considering the bath that all the owners just took financially this past year, uh, the, the uncertainty of this coming year. We still don't know whether or not they're, whether they're going to be able to have enough fans uh, in the stadium to, to make you know a, an actual profit next year like they didn't this year. It, to me, it, with the injury, it would seem a one-year kind of prove-it deal for Dupree is kind of on the books. Call that like a, a, a mini franchise tag. I don't think it would be the 19 or 20 that he would command if he was playing on a second tag. Um, but you look at Jadavian Clowney, he was a player, an edge rusher that, that was you know fairly well sought after in the market. He wasn't getting the long-term deal that he wanted, I think in part because of the financial strife, the league knew it was going in uh, at, at the start of free agency last year. Dupree is injured and by by any scientific measure is, is not going to be 100% come August. I don't care what he says. He's not going to be the same player immediately. How much money and how much long-term commitment does a team want to give him? Uh, I, to me, I, I don't think that market is going to be all that robust. I, I think a one-year deal might be the best thing that, that he could get. Now, the Steelers don't have the cap space, certainly where they sit right now, to be able to be competitive in that market. But uh, Dupree has indicated on social media, too, he's not interested in, in taking less just because he's injured. Um, you know, I, I think that's an obvious statement. But I'm not sure he's going to be able to go out and, and command more than $12, 13000000 million right away just because of the injury. So it, it's a matter of the teams that have the cap space available having a need and how much do those teams want to commit I think there's enough of them to drive a, a market upward for his services, and in doing that, that's going to knock the Steelers out completely. I don't think they'll have an opportunity to do that, uh, barring some some significant moves on their part. I'm not sure they're able to do that uh, for this coming season, but um, it, it, I, I don't know. I mean, weird things are going to happen, I think, this offseason. Um, I, I would say 98% no, but pay attention to the 2% because you never know. 
You mentioned the Hall of Fame at the beginning. Uh, so Alan Fanica's name is up there, just sitting there. But it's a year where Peyton Manning is going to get in. As Peter King told us, it was a 13-second discussion on Manning that the writer for Indianapolis got up, introduced the name Peyton Manning, Indianapolis Colts, Denver Broncos, and then pretended to do a mic drop, and that was the discussion. Uh, Charles Woodson's on there for the first time. There are only five spots available. If you were in the room and had the opportunity to speak as, you know, as I think Ed Bouchette's the writer from Pittsburgh, I think that votes, I think. Uh, and you were talking on behalf of Alan Fanica's candidacy. What would you say? Um, if, if I Ed, Ed is the, the Steelers representatives uh, among the Hall of Fame, and I, I would imagine Ed was beside himself last year when he didn't get in. Right. For me, I, I don't understand how Steve Hutchinson could get in there before Alan Fanica. Um, by any measure, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. By any measure. Everyone would say both belong in there, but Fanica was kind of the gold standard. Fanica was a, he was a more versatile player. We saw that throughout his career. Uh, he had more individual accolades. Um, he was better for, for longer, probably. Um, he belonged in there first, but the reality is if, if you're going to put in Steve Hutchinson and Kevin Mawai, who came before him, who was right. probably more of a center than a guard, yes. uh, if we're, if we're going to group them as interior offensive linemen, to me, Fanica's number one. I, I you know, I, Hutchinson can make an argument. I just don't think it's a very strong one. Um, he absolutely belongs in the Hall of Fame. Now, you get into politics, and this is kind of how the Hall of Fame goes. Not everybody can get in at once. I've always viewed that Hutchinson and Fanica are both Hall of Fame players. They're going to get in eventually. I'll be annoyed for, for years, I'm sure, the fact that Hutchinson went in first. I think at least they should have gone in together. But if, if it's not back-to-back years, if Fanica doesn't get in this year, we're, we're going to have significant problems. There, there's absolutely no reason he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. And I don't think Bichette needs to say anything other than what he said last year, You know, whatever that happened to be, um, except now you have a, a, a lesser comparable who's now in the Hall of Fame. If anything, he's more eligible now. Yeah. So. If, if we didn't put him in last year because we needed to put in somebody else first, and you, when you get into the internal machinations of everything, okay, fine, but let's make this right. He, he deserves to go in the Hall of Fame. Don't give me anything about there being too many Steelers players in. Don't don't give me anything about too many of them are going to be represented from last year's class and this year's class together because they're going to put them both together. Alan Fanica belongs in the Hall of Fame. I, I, I guess I don't care what year it is, but nobody can dispute the fact he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I always laugh at the there are too many of X team in there. Uh, it's an individual honor. Okay, <laughs> one of the you're probably one of the big reasons why the team was winning, uh, so that's why why you're in. Didn't Hutchinson start his career in the USFL? Uh, Hutchinson, no. Hutchinson, okay, okay. He he was with the the Seahawks immediately. Oh, okay. In fact, uh, I, right I joked about gate. this okay. on social media. Okay. Uh, Steve Hutchinson was on the sideline watching Willie Parker's seventy-five yard touchdown run in the Super Bowl the, on, on a Perfect. play that Alan Fanica sprung on his block. So they they know each other well. <laughs> they were absolutely right. contemporaries and the two best guards of their era. So it, right. it, to me, I you know it, Hutchinson was a great player. I, I I definitely think he had the talent to go along with the fact that yeah. he's the subject of the infamous poison pill clause in the NFL, if you might remember that, yeah. between the Vikings and the Seahawks, so they kind of tried to 
to, to dig into each other in yes. that way, which I enjoyed immensely. I thought yeah. that was great, especially considering it was Seattle that got the, the wrong end of that. But it, <laughs> it was, uh, it, you look back at that, Fanica is really kind of the guy that, that, that started the high dollar guard era. Right. The value that he had and the money that he wanted. You know, he, he, he was up for an extension in Pittsburgh. That was right when uh, Bill Cowell retired and Mike Tomlin took over. Um, Fanica basically said, look, I'm not going to go to any preseason activities or anything like that. You're not going to give me an extension. Then forget it. I'm gone after this year. Not the most acrimonious way to, to, to end a, a, a career that was you know, highly notable. Um, without question, the best offensive lineman and one of the best uh, rushing attacks in the NFL in, in his era. Uh, he went on to, to New York. He signed for, for the big money that frankly mm-hmm. deserved and earned. And he was still an all-pro player for yeah. a couple of years. And he was still serviceable uh, when he was with Arizona at the end of his career. So right. uh, it, it, I, I can't say enough about the guy. I'm, I'm, just, I'm honestly beside myself. He hasn't been put in yet. Right. Well, I couldn't tell. Um, so thanks for clarifying that with that last <laughs> sentence. How do you view this? I enjoy a good rant. You haven't noticed before, I know. <laughs> How do you view this week's game? Um, looking up at it up and down, I, I think Kansas City just has too much firepower offensively. Um, it, 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 I was talking to a few colleagues about this as far as what Tampa Bay did defensively the first time they played. Uh, as you might recall, that was the game in which I think they scored. Ty- Tyreek Hill had like Tyreek Hill 200 had yards in yeah. the first three possessions or yeah. something like that. Crazy. Uh, they just chose to they just chose to cover him in man with no safety help. I'm not sure if they were afraid of of uh, Le'Veon Bell in the backfield or what, but uh, just a, a, a baffling defensive decision. I think Tampa Bay had, had probably learned from that. Um, with that, I don't think it's going to be a, a Patrick Mahomes aerial show, but I, I think Kansas City is just too much up and down. Um, the, the Tampa Bay is going to have a tough time scoring with 31, 34 points. I think they'll need. Um, it, it'll be a reasonably competitive game, but I think Kansas City is going to win by by a touchdown come think, the end. I think the biggest problem Kansas City has in this game is the same problem Green Bay had when they played Tampa Bay. You know, obviously, Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul had terrific games against Green Bay. And Green Bay had a remade offensive line at the two tackle spots. Kansas City lost Fisher in the AFC Championship game. They have a remade offensive line at the two tackle spots. If those two tackles can handle those two guys, then I think Kansas City wins uh, with some level of ease. But if they struggle with the two new tackles against those two guys, then it becomes an interesting game. That's how I view it. I agree. And they're, they're, How about this? I, I would put it on this. They're going to get pressure because of that. Uh, Kansas City is a very well-coached team. Uh, schematically, they know what they're doing as yeah. far as their protection goes. And I would argue that pressuring Mahomes only makes him you know, more angry. And it, that gets him to get the ball you know, 25 yards down the field instead of 12. Right. He, he's capable of doing a lot outside of the pocket. They need to be able to contain him, and I think that helps uh, Kansas City in terms of being able to stay on schedule. But if if Tampa Bay can land and they they can get the ball out of his hand, if they can force a turnover or two, um, they have the offense that can control the ball. I mean, Kansas City's defense really, I, I think, has gone uh, unmentioned in a lot of ways, with the exception of Tyron Matthew uh, throughout these playoffs. I, I don't think they've been particularly impressive. And we'll, we'll see if Kansas City can give them a game in that end. But if it's toe-to-toe, Mahomes is going to shred them. And that, that's 
because yeah. that's just what he does. Um, but pressure on both sides, I think, absolutely will be a factor. We, you know, it, we, we saw Tom Brady play a not good game against a not very good uh, Packers defense in, in the championship. I don't think it's going to take much to, to put Brady away from what he's been doing and, and what they can do really well. It's extremely difficult to do that to Mahomes. So for me, it, it feels like 38-28, that type of game. Uh, fairly competitive, exciting, and, and the Chiefs are going to pull away at the end. And what's in Brady's problem will be Jones out the middle. That's where you get, if you can get, boom, Jones up the middle into his face, that's the part where sometimes get, Brady gets thrown off. You know, he doesn't get thrown yeah. off often, but that's one of the areas where it does happen. He gets, he gets thrown off and he gets thrown back. I mean, yeah. we've seen Chris Jones play against Brady. Uh, we've seen him play at, at you know, to, to borrow the earlier topic, a Hall of Fame level. I mean, a couple of those games against New England, he was unstoppable. Yeah. And we, we've seen him play at that um, type of level in these playoffs as well, and it, just in recent years too. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's an intriguing matchup. And um, I don't know, I, I, I'm looking forward to this game, I think, probably a little bit more than I was last year. Um, yeah. And last year was okay. That was a, a fairly competitive game. Yeah. I, I think it will be close for, you know, probably – uh, three quarters, three and a half quarters, but it, Kansas City is just going to get big play after big play like they do. Always a pleasure. That's why when we started the interview, I used the word incomparable. Definitely. I like that word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that one down. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That is, of course, our good friend Neil Kulong. Covers the Steelers all the time, pro football in general. Brett Veach, the general manager of the Chiefs, Mount Carmel's own in the next half hour. John Clayton tomorrow, the professor at 435. Great to have you with us on the show today, brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, great to have you with us. Scheduled at Brett Veach about 4.15 or so, the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, Mount Carmel's own. It'll be great to have him on the show. First time we've had him. Matt did a great job of lining this up. Um, so we're, we're really looking forward to that very much. I mean, because I, mean, I think when the suit was producing the show, I think the biggest get he had was the guy that changed tires for Marco Andretti. I mean, <laughs> Like I, I suppose he plays a key role. You know, like, That's true. But you know, that would be like us getting the backup guard. All right, so <laughs> 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 then we'll hear Mike Yurcich uh, in his press conference coming up at uh, you know excerpts of that at four thirty-five as he talked to the media for the first time today. He didn't get into specifics. He didn't want to talk about personnel, so you're not going to hear him sit there and this is what I think of Sean Clifford. I think it's really important for Mike Yursich to look at the tape and so forth so he's got some idea of what he's working with here. But at the same time, I think when you start spring practice, I think it would be really important for him to start with a blank slate. All right? And the, the two of them then, you know, he sees this, he sees that, he doesn't see this. Got to work on that. I think sometimes you need a blank slate. You know, maybe some idea of what you're working with to begin with because you have to know the strengths and weaknesses to to carve out what offense you want to run. But I think then your opinion of the guy as to what you think of him, you deliver it after you've had him out in the practice field 14 or 15 times. I mean, let the opinion be formed 
by the blank slate as the beginning. And then you'll see at the end of the 15 practices what kind of painting the two of you have started to construct. I think that's important. Fresh set of eyes. That's why I tell my students all the time with games. They all take on their own personality. Preconceived notions going in. I said, don't let that sway you too much as to what you're doing. Let it be a blank slate, then paint the picture.